to the Boys of Summer podcast, where we have uh, baseball sometimes, hopefully <laughs> relatively soon. Uh, I am here. I am Eric Braun. I'll be hosting this week uh, with my pals, uh, Gene Gums, uh, at, from sportscountry.net, um, where he has a online radio station that does country music and sports. And right now, it's leaning pretty heavily on the country music. Sure, sure um, <laughs> And Paul Arnold, who uh, lives in Michigan. Paul, is, uh, how are things going up there? Wet. Very wet. wet. I've yes. seen that. I've seen some pretty wild drone footage. Yeah, so my hometown is Midland, Michigan, and it made the national news because two of the dams broke um, on this one river system, and in in Midland, we always grew up with flooding when there was heavy rains, but never like this. With, And I drove up there to check on my mom. My mom's fine, but it blows you away when you drive down streets and stuff is by the curb, four feet, five feet tall on both sides. Uh, and the Titabawassee is like one of the most polluted rivers, at least when I lived up in Michigan. It was incredibly polluted. It was like right on the, yeah. the Dow campus, right? So... <laughs> Well, yeah, well, when we yeah. played sports in Saginaw and other cities, they'd say, hey, Arnold, do you glow at night when you turn off the lights? So, <laughs> <laughs> how many toes and fingers do you have, Arnold? You know. <laughs> Very good. All right, so this week we're going to start off, uh, we're going to go over some top five news stories. Now, these aren't five news stories that are necessarily the most important uh, in baseball, although you know, there's really only two or three real storylines right now. So uh, hopefully we'll have a little fun in here. Maybe some good news, bad news. So the first story off the top, um, uh, this is from Jeff Passan with ESPN. Uh, he's got sources who are saying the MLB Players Association has proposed a 114-game season and their counterproposal to the 82-game season that the MLB initially proposed. Um, what the story says is that uh, the association delivered a return-to-play proposal to the MLB on Sunday that includes a 114-game season, deferred salaries in the event of a canceled postseason, and the option for all players to opt out of a potential 2020 season due to coronavirus concerns. Um, so, guys, what do you think? Are we going to see baseball sooner rather than later? I think we're still going to see it. Uh, by the way, I'd like to say I, I applaud the 114-game uh, season. I, I much like that. Uh, more than the 80 game they were talking about. And I love the fact that the players themselves were open to playing some double headers so that they could get to that number. Um, You know, because in the past, a lot of the reason they say double headers don't happen is because of the, uh, of the players union. And and I really uh, applaud the fact that they were willing to step up and do that. So I I think it's going to happen. I just think it's not about the number of games really though. It's about, it's about money, you know, and it's about what kind of cut, these guys are going to have to take and pay. And the players don't want to take any cut. Right. And, and so I don't know where the rubber meets the road here. And I get where the players are saying, hey, we got to put our lives on the line uh, to play this game. I think that's a little bit overblown. Uh, not for nothing. I mean, I take my life just as much in the line uh, when I go to the grocery store as you do. When, Matter of fact, maybe more than when you're on a baseball field and getting tested every day. Um, so I, I get that they don't want to give up money, but at the same time, and I get that these owners are all, you know, millionaires and billionaires, but at the same time, these owners are taking a big hit because they're not going to get any revenue from butts in the seats this year. So yeah, they say they're going to lose money on every single game. Yeah. So, so I, I, 
don't the players have some responsibility to shoulder some of that burden? I'm not saying it has to be a 50-50 split, but don't shouldn't they have to to you know carry some of that burden? At least that's I think they should. Yeah, you have to wonder going in to these, you know, uh, discussions between the union and the teams, you know, what is the, you know, what are they expecting to get out of this? Are they going in just asking high and, you know, hoping to come to some sort of medium? It doesn't seem they back down off of the salary thing really at all. So no. I'm, I'm, I'm a little concerned about if we're going to make the, the end of June date, I think I tend to think that we will, but man, it's, uh, these, these are a lot of big questions that the whole country is wrestling with. Mm -hmm. And not everybody's hungry to play. Like if I was a young player and I needed the money or I wanted the opportunity to further my career, I'm going to be desperate to play. But some of the guys who've already made it pretty good and been there for a while, they're not motivated to play as much. But as we get closer and closer, I think you'll see more people motivated. And I do think the part we haven't talked about yet, the, the, players afraid of a salary cap and afraid of how the owners are going to negotiate next year still putting a shadow over this whole thing. But Gene, don't you think the players come off looking a little selfish here? Or do you think the owners look a little um, greedy? Where do you think it goes more? I don't think, you know, my first reaction, I, I got really angry to be honest with you because the first person with the poster child for this was when Blake Snell came out and said, I'm not playing unless I get mine, you know, not and a good that luck. was a little, no, that's a little tone deaf, you know, yeah, a little bit, uh, you know, you we have people of... across, we have people across the country that can't put food on the table and you're going to say, I'm not going to play unless I get mine. So I think that's a bit of a problem. Uh, it's not a good look. Look, here's the thing. As far as the salary cap goes, look, you're still playing under the collective bargaining agreement that you have right now. Just because they're going to make some changes this year, this has nothing to do with the next con with the next contract between the players and the owners. That's that's to be decided. Why can't we just worry about what's going on now? And you know, the problem is is you have a guy like Scott Boros. Yep. getting involved here who should be minding his own business, you know, and, and yet we've got him going out and, and being a big spokesman and stirring everybody up. Let's worry about the, the salary cap. If that's what they were worried about, let's worry about that when the next contract negotiations come up and you know what, then maybe they're going to have to strike if, if it's, if that's what the owners are trying to do. I'm not convinced the owners are trying to do that by the way, but it, you have people like Scott Boros getting people wound up unnecessarily I think about certain things but boy I tell you what if you're the players uh, you know I get that that you have to get paid and I get that that you know you want yours but boy you're gonna come off look at you're gonna bury the sport if you're not careful you know when you've got NASCAR coming out there racing every week right and uh, and you've got you've got basketball and hockey that already have plans in place and you're not hearing all this squabbling about salaries. Now I get it that those seasons were, you know, almost done. So they're looking at the playoffs, but still, you know, if you're the only sport that can't get your act together, you had a chance to be a leader. I saw this, I can't remember where it was, but they had a chance to be a leader in this. And now they could be, uh, the last ones and they could look really, really bad here. What do you think about the provision uh, that a player can just opt out out of safety concerns? I think it's fine. 
Yeah. Yeah, I think that's I, fine. And but I think yeah, also what's going to happen when the first player comes out with COVID? Like I can't believe they're going to go through a whole season whether it's 114 games or whatever without at least one person getting it. And what is the ripple effect going to be? Just like NBA basketball, I think I'd be much more worried as a basketball player where you're bumping and rubbing against guys mm-hmm. and sweats going everywhere versus baseball. I mean, like you said, Gene, these guys are coming across like they're really putting themselves in danger. Come on, ba- basketball players yeah. much more than baseball yeah. players. And, and football, when they get ready to go, I mean, I'd be worried more about that. But, I, you know, I guess the plans are is that if somebody gets it, that guy gets quarantined for two weeks. You know, it's going to be like he got, uh, you know, he, he hurt his knee and he's going on the DL and he's going into, uh, you know, double secret probation somewhere. And, and they're just going to continue playing, which I think is fine. But look, my wife, my wife works for Home Depot. She's a she's a manager for Home Depot. And they have employees. If they if their employees are too afraid to come to work, the company has given them extra uh, time off so that they don't have to come to work. You know, and if they're at risk because they're maybe older or they have uh, diabetes or high blood pressure or anything that could compromise their immune system, Home Depot is not making them come to work. So I think, you know, I think if baseball, if, if you know, if there's a guy that's got like, you know, I don't know if there's a baseball equivalent of Drew Brees who has 112 kids, but if there's a baseball equivalent of that and he's worried about bringing that home to his kids, so I don't want to play until this, I have no problem with that whatsoever. Yeah. And, you know, he should, he should still get paid. Full salary, or what do you think? Or no, pro-rated. I think they're getting pro-rated. pro-rated right? Yeah, he should get yeah. it, but I think he should still. I mean, I think that get some sort of. Yeah, he, he, there should be something. I don't know what yeah. that looks like, but he should right. get some kind of some kind of pay. Yep. Cool. All right, sounds good. Let's move on to the next story. Um, so this is uh, another side of that coin, but it's more of a good news story. Once we get to it, um, the headline is sounds rough, but hundreds of minor league players cut amid pandemic. Sources say. Um, this is again from Jeff Passan. Hundreds of minor league baseball players were cut Thursday. Hundreds more are expected to lose their jobs as the sport grapples with near certainty that the minor league season will be canceled, sources told ESPN. Uh, team officials said a vast majority of the players likely would have been released towards the end of spring training, even if baseball hadn't been halted by the pandemic, according to sources. But the cuts in mass, which could wind up numbering more than 1,000, nevertheless reverted, reverberated around the game, sources said. Uh, release players expressed fear that their careers could be over and and whose teams hadn't yet made cuts prepared for a tenuous next few days. So that sounds really negative, but then uh, a couple paragraphs down, um, it said earlier this week, the Oakland, Oakland A's told the minor league players that they would no longer receive their stipend starting in June. However, most of these, this next set of teams have all said they're going to pay their minor leaguers uh, throughout the season. And that's uh, Houston, Miami, Minnesota, the Padres, the Kansas City Royals, uh, Seattle Mariners. Uh, and then the next set of team is going to pay them at least through June, and if not longer. And that's the Dodgers, the Mets, the White Sox, the, the Tampa Bay Rays, the Rangers, the Orioles, the Braves, the Giants, the Diamondbacks. So it seems like, you know, I think it, it's it sounds bad, but it seems like a lot of these teams are really stepping up to, to help the uh, – um, to help these minor league players. Uh, in fact, the Royals GM came out and, you know, had a pretty impassioned uh, speech about, you know, they're going to protect their minor league players, not because they think they're all the future 
of the Royals, but because they're the future of the game. These are the guys who go back to their hometowns and end up coaching at a JUCO or college or even just little league. Right. So they really felt like these guys are sort of the heart and soul of, of baseball and can help keep uh, a sport that has a lot of trouble in that area uh, going strong. So what do you guys think? Uh, uh, should the teams keep paying all these minor leaguers or what do you think? It's a mixed message. I think right now, um, because we, you already know that they want to cut or have 40 to 50 less minor league teams in future. Major League Baseball wants to grab money, get some of their concession sales. And on the other hand, um, they're cutting some of these um, you know, players off. And yet you hear players like even David Price, who I know Gene just loves as a player, uh, <laughs> offering to pay $1,000 for everybody in the Dodger organization in the minor leagues. So I am a huge proponent that the minor leagues are so key to the future success of baseball. Like they're saying, they're the passionate guys, even if they don't make it to the majors, who go back and coach a little league and coach American Legion and teach their kids. And I, I looked at the 40 to 45 teams that they want to cut from minor leagues. And I have to admit, none of them have the long history as maybe some of the other ones like the Durham Bulls or Toledo Mud Hens or whatever. But yet, I don't think Major League Baseball is just, they're just like 0 for 2. <laughs> I really feel like they're 0 for 2 right now. And it pains me to say that because it's a sweet science, right? It's the beautiful game. Gene, were you yep. surprised David Price made that offer? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was actually and good for him. I mean, good for him. I, you know what? I, you know, I'll, I'll give him that. That was great. Uh, you know, and, but, and this, it, this brings to the, my point where we're talking about the players saying, I got to get mine, you know, all these guys in the major leagues, I got to get mine. I got to get mine. And perhaps if the players were willing to not get as much, the owners would be more willing to pay all these minor league players. I mean, that's part of the issue that we have here is that we already know the owners are going to lose money every game because there's no concessions. There's no butts in the seats. There's, you know, there's no parking. There's no nothing. So they're not going to make any revenue that they normally make. So they're not going to be, uh, they can't, for lack of a better way of putting it, they can't afford to pay you know, all the minor league salaries for guys that, you know, on six or seven or eight different teams because they're already losing money. But maybe if you had some of these guys step up and, and I don't, you know, a thousand dollars for each guy like David Price, it's a nice, it's a nice gesture, but it's going to take a little bit more than that. But, you know, maybe the owners would be more willing to step up if the players, the major league baseball players were willing to give a little for sure. Yeah. I, I, the guys in the big leagues need to to definitely step up and have a maybe have a heart to heart without the uh, union leaders. Um, I'm obviously the union leaders on the team, but just talk about the future of the game and how they can, you know, make it happen. And I think that's the point. You you hit it right on the head. This is about this isn't about 2020. This is about the future of the game mm -hmm. of showing people that baseball will do things the right way and that we are not willing to risk losing a generation of fans that get disgusted with the way we're conducting. 
affecting our business. We are already struggling to get young people to the sport and to 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 watch the game on TV. Um, you know, and it's and it's so expensive to take them to a game back when the days when you could go mm-hmm. to a game. Yeah. But it's so you know. But we're losing a generation. And now, if you compound it by by this and looking greedy yeah. and looking like you're tone deaf. But Gene, who could be the leader of the players? Like you know, look in the NFL. Mike Trout. Mike Trout. But if he's Mike not Trout vocal stuff, enough, Mike, though. Mike Trout. I don't. Does Mike Trout want to continue making all the money that he's making? Yeah. You know what? If he does, he needs to be a leader. You know what? Step up. You get him, or get Bryce Harper, or get these guys that are making the ridiculous amounts of money, and bring and just have them say, "Hey, look, fellas, we got to suck it up." We're talking about sucking it up for six months, okay? You know, we're not saying we're not going to make any money, but we're already making Monopoly money. We're making more money than we can spend, (laughs) you know? So how about if we just suck it up for six months? And I'm not saying you got to work for minimum wage, but good Lord, there's got to be a happy median somewhere where they can figure this out and get get these games going keep the fans i mean look with what's going on with sports right now you want and and the fact that you can't go to the beach you can't go to a restaurant there's so many things you can't do in a lot of places in this country it's a captive audience nascar's ratings are through the roof right now because there's nothing else to do (laughs) you know you're missing an opportunity here and and you need somebody at Mike Trout is the best player in the game. How about uh, Dustin Petroia? I, mean, I heard an article, oh. I saw an article that when he comes into the clubhouse, all the other players just have so much respect for him. Um, that's fine, but but that no, and that he, that's true, but that's very localized. You need somebody that can step up on a national level, somebody that everybody knows and everybody respects. Everybody knows and respects Mike Str- Mike Trout. They know and respect Max Scherzer. Yeah, uh, I agree. Or or Justin Verlander or Bryce Harper or uh, I don't know Anthony Rizzo. There's so many guys there. Christian Yelich. There is probably a dozen guys out there that could step up, and everybody would listen. The Red Sox will listen to Dustin Pedroia, but not everybody's going to. Right, and so who is going to gather these guys and say let's. Let's stand up and you know be a leader, and I really wonder about that because there's only one guy. There's only one guy that can do that. Mm, to- mm. Tony Clark, the head of the players' union. Mm-hmm. Tony Clark is, you know, and this is my problem. Tony Clark is is striking the wrong tone here. He's immediately made this adversarial, and I don't know whether it's because he's got Scott Boros in his ear or what. But if Tony Clark went to some of these high-profile guys and pulled them into a room and said, "Fellas," We got to figure this out. We got to help this game. What can we do? You know, and let's let's worry about the next contract when the next contract comes up. You know, he's the only guy that can do it. You know, because I don't think Mike Trout, as you said, he's very quiet. I'm not sure he would do it on his own. All right. Well, that was an excellent discussion. Let's uh, let's move on so we keep these headlines rolling and we can get to uh, Act Two. Uh, so. The MLB draft is uh, coming up, but it's going to be much shorter. I usually could care less about the MLB draft. Um, that, Why is that, Mostly Eric? because they draft. Well, they draft a million people, and, uh, <laughs> you know, you never know who's actually going to make it. I mean, how, when was the last time a slam dunk number one pick actually 
Bryce came Harper. through. <laughs> was he a number one pick? I think so. Wasn't he? Was he? Okay. All right. I don't know. Um, I have no idea. But you're right. Um, the, see, the draft my, my is, point. Is, is not watched very much in baseball. Yeah, no, yeah, it's the least interesting draft of them all, probably. Um, but there is an interesting thing this year. So uh, for you tennis fans, the son of Andre Agassi and Steffi Graf could be a future ace. Um, to answer your first question, and this story is from uh, Anthony Kastrovinci, uh, maybe, uh, from MLB.com. Eric's a writer. He's given credit to everybody here tonight. So good, good yes, job, Eric. Yes, exactly. Thank you. Um, so the first, to answer your first question, no, Jaden Agassi never really got into tennis. Oh, he's dabbled in the sport associated with his world-famous parents, Andre Agassi, Andre Agassi and Steffi Graf. But that usually just results in Jaden smacking the ball as hard as he can with no regard for the rules or the lines. His mom and dad can save their 30 combined Grand Slam singles titles. Jaden just wants to hit Grand Slams. I love baseball, he says. I love the teammates surviving and fighting with your brothers. Every game comes with a new set of challenges, and I really love figuring those out. So, Paul, would uh, would Andre Agassi have made a good baseball player? <laughs> it's all about the hair, man. It's all about the hair. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Formerly. Yeah, I remember. Boy, I've, I've actually changed my approach to Andre Agassi. It's a great book. He wrote an autobiography that is fantastic. It is really honest and real in how – he looks back and realizes how phony he was and how insecure he was. And, oh, man, the story of his dad being so brutal on him just puts all that he did in perspective. And, you know, anytime you have Brooke Shields in a story, too, it's going to get a little attention from me, too. So, anyways, <laughs> when he married Steffi Graf, that really straightened him out, of all things. And um, that's when he started shaving his head and realized it doesn't matter as much. So I like a guy that shaves his head. Can you relate, Gene? Yeah, for sure. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, we live it. So, um, yeah. but, the, you know, I think this is very true that you get somebody with, you know, those genes of, you know, the they have the physical talent and channeling it into something that works for you. And the one thing Agassi always said in his autobiography is he always felt so alone in tennis. That he was fighting the world. He was fighting against his own coach. He was fighting against his own dad. He had all these inner demons. And just that quote you gave from Agassi's son speaks a lot to me that he loves being part of the team, right? And yeah. and going through that together, that he's not alone going through it, and he shares the success and failure. And I think that's one of the things baseball really has so, is so great about, that it's such a long season. You really get to know your teammates and um, – think so that's one of the beauty of it and i'm trying to think of another athlete son from another sport that came to play baseball and i can't think any can you think any gene uh, no i was just trying I, I oh schlereth the, the guy who played offensive line for the oh yeah Denver yeah Broncos. yeah his, yeah his son was a, a relief pitcher right for the tigers yeah. yeah 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 and yeah i can't i can't think of one no mm, no well by the way, I was just looking. The uh, you're talking about the draft. Yes. In the, la the last twenty drafts. Okay. Mm -hmm. There's been eight number one picks that are what you would consider superstars. Oh so, really? Uh, yeah. Uh, Carlos Correa, mm -hmm. Garrett Co Garrett Cole, Bryce Harper, Steven Strasburg, uh, David Price, Justin Upton, and Joe Maurer. Oh, and Adrian Gonzalez as well. But uh, the the last uh, the 
next guy that I guess, and I don't think he's going to be a star. Remember Dansby Swanson was getting all that attention when he was drafted by Arizona, and now he's got traded to Atlanta, and I think he's going to be an okay player, but mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to be a star. But, yeah, no, there's just – it's better than you think. It's okay, better than yeah. you think. Maybe, maybe I'll actually pay attention to the first <laughs> Nah, don't get carried away. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, well, that's actually, tough. you know what? Although with what they're doing to the draft this year, it'll be a little bit easier to pay attention to. Because it's only going to be what, uh, five yeah, rounds? Yeah, yeah, it's very short. So, you know, I mean that, and that's actually, you know, th- that's going to be really strange. I, I, I'm not a, f- I'm not a fan of this at all, because yeah, a lot of college coaches are upset. Well, yeah, because now college coaches are going to be, I hate to put it this way, but now they're going to be stuck with players staying in school. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. But, 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 you know, they plan on these guys getting drafted. So when they recruit, they're figuring, well, this guy's going to get drafted after his sophomore year. So I'll have this scholarship and they've already got somebody lined up. Well, now now all of a sudden they're going to have a problem. The NCAA is actually talking about changing roster limits so that they can carry some extra guys because of the sudden change that Major League Baseball is doing. But, yeah, I mean, it's only going to be – it's going to help out a lot of teams, too, uh, because now you can sign any of these guys that don't get drafted in those five rounds. They're all free agents. So, right. you know, guys that you didn't think you used to have a shot at, now all of a sudden, you know, a lot of teams are going to be out there looking for them. The problem is is that they can't give them the big bonus money so now that's why these kids are thinking about going back to school because I think if they don't get drafted, the most they can get for a bonus, I think, is twenty grand. Wow! wow. Yeah, yeah. It's like the old days. Just, that's that's like the real old days. Is this because like baseball back, is like worried back when about? Back had hair days. Are they worried about losing <laughs> money? Is that why they're making all these changes? Oh, yeah. This is all part. Sometimes you know. I, I almost I wonder sometimes if Rod Manfred really understands baseball and if, if he really cares, because this is I mean, the draft has been something for a while. And now you're taking away the dreams of so many kids. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, yeah it, it's good. It's just going to introduce so many problems to just the whole food chain of yeah. of the MLB. So, all right, well, let's move on. Yep. Um, so. Here's a, another good news story, um, I think, maybe. Um, oh, <laughs> the, the big, sexy comeback, Bartolo Colon, wants one last spin in the MLB. <laughs> Come on, I didn't Which, see that. Really? It's true, yeah. Although he's he's a little concerned, and this is, I actually pulled, I <laughs> uh, got, a, got a pull quote. He's not happy that with the uh, that they've been talking about introducing a universal DH. He said, in general, when it comes to baseball, I don't like all the changes they're putting in, uh, said Colon, who turned 47 Sunday. Uh, nowadays, baseball has too many changes. We've never seen so many home runs. Right now, the game is only for hitters. So uh, what do you think? Is Bartolo coming back? And if he does, will he get a uh, get another home run? What do you think? Wow. Uh, the gene. I don't uh, th- I don't think he's coming back. Do you think? Gene- no, I don't. No, I don't think he would. I mean, he may want to come back, <laughs> but, you know, but I don't. I'll tell you what, if there was if. The minor leagues were playing this year. I think there would be a better chance that he would get a minor league contract with somebody, have a chance to go to AAA for a little while and prove himself. Mm. I don't I, I I can't believe with what's going on with baseball this year that they're going to have room for a 47 year old fat guy uh, just wanting to go out and, you know, uh, get one more trip around the league. I don't I don't think it's going to happen. And by the way, shut up about the DH. I mean, I don't like the I don't like the DH. I hate <laughs> I hate the DH. But Bartolo Colon. I mean, look, uh, 
awful hitter. He was the perfect example of even a blind squirrel finding a nut every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because he has one. He has an awful swing when he. And did you ever hear the uh, call that Gary Cohn had in in New York when Bartolo Colon hit that home run? <laughs> I did. Yes. The impossible has happened. That's what he <laughs> right. said. The impossible yeah. has happened. So which comeback yes. is more unlikely, Mike Tyson or Bartolo Colon? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think Bartolo Colon is less likely because it's a team yeah. sport. You know, right. uh, Mike Tyson's coming back. Supposedly, this thing, the thing with Tyson and Holyfield, that's just supposed to be for charity, right? That's not like a, a for real fight, is it? I, Wasn't that just a charity thing? I don't like know. Like for three rounds or something? That can't I, be for real. If if somebody asked me to get in the ring with Mike Tyson because it's for charity and he's not going <laughs> to. Uh, you know, try hard. I would still not get in the ring. No, with Mike no. Tyson. I agree. He's, he's no me either. He's scary. Yeah. I, yeah. I, 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 I think that, that can't be for real. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't and Mike I, Tyson and marry a psychiatrist too? <laughs> I think he really did. I, I'm just Come saying. On. Yeah. That's hilarious. Oh, uh, a live-in awesome. case study. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> this is actually a perfect uh, transition to the last uh, story um, and probably my favorite story uh, that, I, that I've read um, on baseball in the last uh, decade. Um, so wow. uh, ju- so here's a, a, a judge. Lenny Dykstra's reputation is so <laughs> bad, it's legally impossible to libel him. So uh, apparently Dykstra sued Ron Darling for defamation. Um, an intentional infliction of emotional distress. The suit arose out of claims in Darling's then recently published autobiography alleging that Dykstra shouted racial slurs at Red Sox pitcher Dennis Oilcan Boyd before Boyd took the mound of the 86 World Series. And Dykstra has sued uh, Darling over this quote. But the judge threw out the lawsuit, and I'm just going <laughs> to read directly from the judge's statement. So, based on the paper submitted on this motion prior to the publication of the book, Dykstra was infamous for being, among other things, racist, misogynistic, and anti-gay, as well as a sexual predator, a drug abuser, a thief, and an embezzler. <laughs> Further, but besides Dykstra that, had a re- <laughs> yeah. Further, Dykstra had a reputation largely due to his autobiography of being willing to do anything to benefit himself and his team, including using steroids and blackmailing umpires. Considering this information, which was presumably known to the average reader of the book, the court finds that, as a matter of law, the reference in the book has not exposed Dykstra to any further public contempt, ridicule, aversion, or disgrace, or (laughs) evil opinion of him in the minds of right-thinking persons, or deprivation of friendly intercourse in society. The nature and seriousness of Dykstra's criminal offenses, which include fraud, embezzlement, grand theft, and lewd conduct, and assault with a deadly weapon, and notably the degree of publicity that he received, have already established his general bad reputation for fairness and decency far worse than the alleged racially charged bench jockeying in this reference could do. So, wow. so there you go. You can say whatever you want about Lynn Dykstra and, and it's all no true. That That's yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, all, all it's true. It's all true. <laughs> it's all true. He's so uh, low. He scratches the belly of a snake. Is that what you're saying? Uh, yeah, that's, oh. what, that's what the judge is saying. There's nothing lower than Lenny Dykstra. Did, did, was, this, was this a written opinion or did he say yeah. this like, Oh, okay. Cause it would yeah, have been even better if he had had Lenny Dykstra in court <laughs> sitting there and him saying this in front of Lenny Dykstra, that yeah. would have been like beautiful. a Perry that Mason been case. You know? <laughs> yes, <laughs> right. exactly. Yeah. Or oh, poor Lenny. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is Lenny doing now besides suing people trying to get some Gosh. money? Well, well, wasn't he, he? Didn't he? He uh, was in jail for a while. Yeah, well, for for check forgery or something. And didn't he like try to beat up an Uber driver or something? He's, or I yeah, mean, he's always in hey, trouble. Hey, Dystra versus uh, Mike Tyson in the ring. There you go. Now that, that would be interesting. Yeah, I mean, oh, you know, would, Dyson be squirrely enough. You never know. He might jump on Tyson and bite his. <laughs> uh, man. So yeah, so that's a uh, that is my favorite story of for for quite so yeah Dykstra was just for a guy that I really liked watching play I like that whole team um, yeah but uh man when he left the league and kind of the truth started coming out about who he was yeah it was it was pretty ugly I mean, he was he was a very intense player he was yeah yeah, yeah. nails right yeah yeah it's uh yeah the, I think there might have been yeah well I I he admitted to using steroids right and it really uh you can just see that how that just destroys some guys. Yeah. All right. So there's the headlines uh, for uh, for this podcast. Um, now we're going to a next section where we pick our three favorite teams from the 1990s. Paul, I'm going to throw it to you first. And uh, uh, you can uh, give, us, uh, give us your picks. Well, um, I have my top two teams. The third was mm-hmm. a little hard for me, but I'm going to go and add a third one just because you asked me, man. All right. Uh, thanks. The, my favorite team in the 1990s was the Braves. Uh, my wife's from Atlanta. I met her in the late 80s. I went to a bunch of Braves games back when Dale Murphy was the only hope that they ever had back in those days. And you would see uh, Ted Turner, you know, doing crazy things near the field. And I remember going to one game and seeing Jimmy Carter in the box seat there. And it was just a different, it was almost like a minor league atmosphere. So to see them turn it around under Bobby Cox, and they were so good, but they just couldn't quite win enough World Series. You know, they just, boy, when they lost uh, to the Twins, man, that was just brutal t- to me. Um so, but they were such a great team and had so many great players. And I'm just going to read off some of the players they had that maybe, not Gene, Gene will remember all of them, but I forgot about some of these really good players that made them great. Fred McGriff, everybody knows the crime dog, but Javi Lopez, remember him as catcher? Oh, yeah, yeah. Javi Lopez. For seven years, he averaged 290. He hit 119 home, which isn't too much, but he was such a decent uh, catcher and he had a really good arm. How about Ron Gant on the outfield? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah Fast. A, man, that guy, set, he mashed. He really did. He was strong. How about Ryan Klesko, first baseman? Yeah, yeah first baseman, yep. He was pretty good. And then David, hitter. David Justice was a solid outfielder. Boy, I'll tell you what. That's a, There's a guy, David Justice, a guy that everybody thought was going to be a Hall of Famer. And he's one of yeah. those guys who started off really great, and then his career fell off a cliff. Right after he married Halle Berry, but that's another story. Um, yeah, and then, of course, everybody <laughs> why, knows why. Why somebody would cheat on Halle Berry is just the dumbest. I just can't imagine what was going through his what mind. What were you thinking? <laughs> I agree. Before we get in trouble, I totally agree with that. <laughs> the James Bond movie with her in it. I'm just saying. Oof. Yeah. What was he thinking? He wasn't. Let's just put it that way. He was not. Um. Anyways. Uh. Chipper Jones, of course, we all know him. We talked yep. of our Chipper love earlier. Uh, and great Matt, Greg Maddox, who some I don't know which one of you put him as the best pitcher of the 90s. 
and then Tom Glavin, and of course John Smoltz as well. They were so loaded with pitching, and they had enough hitting. It was just not there enough. And then that one season they had Neon Dion come in as well. Yeah. It just They just held my attention so well uh, during those years. Um, and my, the Otis second... Nixon too. Yeah. Second best team was the Yankees, which I sort of don't want to admit, but you know, Joe Torrey is a really good manager and he got the most out of those players. And plus they had the best reliever ever, which makes all the difference in the world. So I'm just going to say those are my top two teams. And just for fun, I'm going to put Montreal Expos as my third team. Um, They had a lot of good players that came in and out of there and they just could never put it together in one year. They're a great farm team. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they really were. You know, the Braves really were the team of the decade, not just, you know, I mean, they they finished in first place in their division eight times out of 10 years in the 90s. Eight out of 10. That's ridiculous. Uh, Did you have a favorite year for the uh, for the Braves? Oh, let's see. They won it in 95, right? Whatever year Uh, they won it in the 90s was my favorite year for them. Well, didn't they didn't they didn't they didn't they win it back to back years? Didn't they win? Uh, trying to think now. They won it. I know for sure they won it in '95. They beat the Cleveland Indians in '95. Right. I remember yeah. that. They only they only won it once. So. They only won it once. Yeah. Yep. Oh, I thought they won it. I thought they won it two years in a row. Well, no, that's why they not. made Google. I'll give you the answer. No, that's right. No, they no they lost in '96. They lost to the Yankees. I just looked it up. They won in '95. Yep. Yeah, and they lost to the Yankees in '96. Those darn Yankees. Very good. Those yeah. Yankees. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, Gene, what, what do you think? Uh, well, I, uh, there were two dominant teams in baseball, really, in the 90s, and it was the Braves and the Yankees. And I refused to pick the Yankees as one of my three favorite teams. <laughs> by principle ever. alone. I, by principle alone. Uh, so I think my number one favorite team uh, in the 1990s was the Oakland Athletics. In <laughs> 19, the 1990 Oakland Athletics. That was, I mean, they had McGuire. Mm-hmm. Hit 39 home runs that year with 108 runs batted in. Canseco hit 37 home runs, had 100 runs batted in. Harold Baines was on that team. Hmm. Uh, Willie Randolph was on that team. Willie. Yep. Willie. Uh, yep. Uh, Terry Steinbach was their catcher. Uh, Carney Lansford played for them. Carney Lansford uh, oh. is a guy who won a batting title, not that year, but uh, Ricky Henderson hit 325 that year. Good grief. Stole 65 bases. He had an OPS. This is, you know, that's the thing. People think about Ricky Henderson and they think about how fast he was. Ricky Henderson that year had 28 home runs and <laughs> stole 65 bases. He had more stuff. But what's weird is because he was a leadoff hitter, he had 28 home runs, but he only had 61 runs batted in because he was a leadoff hitter. Ricky got but he Ricky. Had, he had more stolen bases than he had RBIs that year. But he hit 325 and had an OPS of uh, uh, 1016. So stolen I mean, bases and RBIs. That's, yeah. How about that? A stat. You know, but that was, I mean, and that was the year uh, Dave Stewart had a great year that year. He won 20, but the, the 22 games, but the guy that was the ace of their staff. And a lot of people think it was Stewart. Bob Welch that year went 27 and six. Remember him? He started out mm-hmm. his career with the, with the Dodgers. Yep. And then he can, he 27 and six with a two nine five ERA that year. Mm. Um, so that was that was my favorite team. Just because I wasn't picking a Yankee team, I didn't care. Uh, <laughs> we didn't say favorite. We didn't right. say favorite. Not no. Uh, and then my second favorite team was the uh, the the Florida Marlins. 
from 1997, and only because they came out of nowhere. Nobody right. really expected them to do what they did. They had a bunch of guys that were some retreads from other teams, and uh, Gary Sheffield was on that team. He was uh, only 28 years old. Uh, Jeff Conine, remember him? Mm-hmm. He had a hell of oh, a yeah. year that Conine year. Barbarian. Yep. Uh, Bobby it's Bonilla was Bobby Bonilla was on that team. Uh, Bonilla hit uh, 300 that year. Um, but they had a bunch of guys. They just they didn't have a lot of superstars. They just kind of they didn't have anybody hit more than 23 home runs on the team. They that was the ultimate team because they just rolled out a lot of guys and they found ways to beat you. Uh, and then they had they had a pretty good. Uh, a pretty good one-two punch at the top of the rotation. And Kevin Brown, uh, Brown won 16 games that year. Alex Fernandez won mm-hmm. 17. And Al Leiter was on that team as well. So that was that was my second favorite team, just because they were the ultimate team. They didn't have a bunch of superstars. They just found ways to was win. Was that Leland as manager of that team? Uh, I believe, no. Uh, yes, he was. Yeah, they did. Huh. They, won 90, they won 92 games that year. Leland was the manager. And Dave Dombrowski, by the way, the former yes. Red Sox general manager, was the GM for them that year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my, my third favorite team was the uh, Minnesota Twins from 1991, simply because I love Kirby Puckett. Yep. Uh, and he had, three, he had 319 that year, and he was unbelievable. They, uh, uh, he was just – he was – such a, talk about a guy. You know what he was? He reminded me of Tony Gwynn. He was kind of the American League version of Tony Gwynn, a guy who always had a smile on his face, could could fall out of bed and get three hits, and just a guy that loved playing the game. Uh, they had Chuck Knobloch on that team. Kent Herbeck was on that team. Uh, Chili Davis had a pretty good year that year, hit 29 home runs, drove in, I think, uh, 95 runs, something like that. And then, of course, at the top of the rotation, Jack Morris, uh, who won 18 games. And Scott Erickson, who won 20 that year. He won 20 and 8. But uh, uh, great team. Uh, Tom Kelly was the manager. And uh, they won 95 games that year, and they beat the Braves. Matter of fact, in the World Series, four games to three. Yes, great World Series it. as well. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but so those are, my, those are my three teams from the 90s. And, and I'm sure. And by the way, I'm sure some of those Yankee teams were better. But I'm sorry, just don't, can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> we're right, All right, with, Gene. Uh, it's okay, man. We're there for you. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, I also have similar feelings about the Yankees, so I left them <laughs> off my list, out of purely out of spite. Um, so I picked um, uh, the the Braves. Of course, were my 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 top team for the, for the decade, the 91 team, especially um, yeah. just because I just, you know, going worse from, you know, worst to first. Um, and then just the, the Sid Bream uh, <laughs> play where he went from oh first. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. That was, was great. just one of the all time great. Uh, yep. uh, uh, the way he, he plays, slid, so. it was slow motion before <laughs> slow motion. <laughs> it was who needed slow motion. Oh man. Yeah. So it's a, I love, I love that team. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, I, they, and they did. They had a, a just a, uh, you know, it's it's a different lineup than what you see like later on in the decade. Um, I don't think Maddox was on the team yet. I don't see his name on the roster. So yeah, so um, you know, it was really when they were just getting started, but they were just a, a lot of fun um, to watch. Just that any any time you're around a, you know, a, a town and they're going from worst to first, that's a that's a, just an incredible experience, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so next up is uh, 
kind of ironic considering what we were just talking about um, in the last story. Uh, with the 93 uh, Phillies were just one of my all-time favorite teams. Just They were just so much fun with Kruk and, uh, and Dykstra. Um, uh, they also had a, a couple of uh, my favorite Royals players uh, from back in the day, Jim Eisenreich. You may or may not oh, remember. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember yeah, him. Eisenreich. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was on that. He was on the 93 Didn't he team. have a unique batting thing that he'd Didn't pump he his like, arm? So, so. Didn't he have like Tourette's syndrome or something? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah he had Tourette's syndrome. Yeah. So he would kind of twitch when he was up there um, at bat. Um, yeah. And, and he married one of my fraternity's uh, little sister. So we got to hang around him a little bit too. So we You're were like cool. family, man. Yeah. We're practically family, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and they had Kurt Schilling, of course, before he went crazy. Um, who else? Uh, Darren Dalton, yeah. So they just had. I mean, those guys were just a lot of fun. Uh, Jim Fergosi is the manager of that team. Wasn't and it? yeah, and I really yeah. like Jim Fergosi. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then uh, my last team, and this is. Uh, a pure homer pick, but the 94 Royals who were on track to have one of their best. Seasons, oh my goodness. <laughs> their best you really? didn't say the Red the Sox 90s. and I didn't say the, the Tigers. Last... So you had, had, home had to have one out. homer. We had to have one homer. I've, it's all I've, right. I've, I've been shut out, you know, from talking <laughs> nice things about my team. So, uh, so yeah, so we're going, we're going with the Royals, um, the 94 Royals. And you can't prove that they weren't going to be World Series champions because, of course, that was the strike shortened season where there was no World Series. Um, but, you know, the Royals had Mike that, McFarlane yeah, behind Joyner. the uh, plate. Joyner had Wally Joyner. Yeah, yep, yeah. Yep. Wally. Uh, we had uh, Greg Gagne, you might remember. And Gary Gaetti uh, were shortstop mm-hmm. and third base. Vince Coleman. Uh, speedy. Vince Coleman played? Vince Coleman he did. was on that team? He was, yeah, yeah. Brian McRae, Hal yep. McRae's son. Hal McRae yep. was the coach, um, and Brian was a speedy, incredible center fielder. That was not his. Let's see, what, what did he end up at in the two seventy three? That that was probably one of his better years. He was never never ended up being super strong with the bat, but he was uh, an incredible uh, out there in center field. Um, but you know, we had uh, let's see, David Cohn that was pitching towards the end of his career. Kevin Apier was one of the best starters yep. of the 90s yep. jeff montgomery one of the best closers uh tom gordon was still uh, pitching middle relief at that point so um hmm. so yeah that, well, actually he was probably starting still then um but anyway uh that's, yeah that's so a, I, they had a, they had a they had a really strong uh Gubiza was still pitching with them at that point Michael 94, 94 was that was a strike year but it was also they were still uh that was the first year i think they went to the three divisions too they went. Uh, that was the first year they had the uh, the central division instead of just an east and a west. No, oh, really, I didn't remember. Yeah, that. that was that was when they started the three divisions. Yeah, so I, I really, that was like the year where you could see the team was starting to gel. They they'd gotten a little bit hot, and they were always a second half team. I think they were four games out. Yeah, they finished four games behind the White Sox. Yeah, um, but you know we 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 had high hopes. And uh, so, well, no, you know, it's actually when you look at it, I mean, they had a better record than uh, the only teams that had a better record than them were the Yankees, the White Sox and the Indians. Everybody, they were better than everybody else in the American League. Even the Baltimore Orioles, who were in second place in the East, only had 63 wins. The Royals had 64. So, yeah, you know, give them another 20, 30. Games. They might have might have pulled (laughs) it off. I know. So (laughs) so there we go. There's my extreme homer pick for the. uh, uh, somebody uh, had to do it. Somebody had to yeah. do it, right? That's okay. pretty good. We've gone 45 minutes into the podcast, and you <laughs> didn't talk about the Royals until now. I think that's pretty good. 
I, th- I think I really have applied myself here. <laughs> and Darren Dalton, you're you're talking about who played first base for the Phillies. He was yep. massive. If he wasn't on steroids, oh. I don't know. You haven't heard anything <laughs> about him, but he was like Superman out there. I remember just looking at him, thinking they don't make him any bigger than that dude. Yeah, yeah, he was the, that whole team. I mean, there, I don't think there was a skinny guy on that team. <laughs> they were all they were all pretty stout. What was yeah. in the water, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Too many, many cheesesteaks. Mm. <laughs> That's that would be a, a tough city to to play in. Oh yeah, really, yeah. That, I mean, the crowds are tough. Um, even I mean, gosh, they were sort of famous for being uh, terrible to Jackie Robinson. Phillies. I don't know about that town. That's a t- uh, that's what. By the way, that's where my family comes from. My mother, oh, my really? mother, my mother and grandmother were born in Philly. I have cousins in Philly. I was just down there last year. Matter of fact, I'm going down. Well, actually, I was planning on going down to a Phillies game this year, but that's not going to happen now. Right. Mm. Well, that explains yeah. a lot, Gene. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm ripping on Gene because some of yeah, his buddies right. posted a picture of Gene doing stats at a basketball game. Um, that was a volleyball game. It was a volleyball. Well, you look like you're about ready to break somebody in two. You're sitting there, your <laughs> arms crossed, like. Yeah. And I guess the backstory is that last second they asked you to do that with three hours sleep. Yeah. And I was about to give you a hard time on Facebook, but then I thought, gee, what do I look like with only three hours sleep? Uh, yeah, I was not. So I good. was blurry. I it was not. It was not pretty. And somebody t- actually took a picture of it, and I got I got ribbed about that for a long, long time. <laughs> <laughs> and still, and still, yeah. yes, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so when when do you think we'll actually be able to put our butts in the seats at the stadium? Ooh. Is, is it going to happen this year at all? I think there's a chance that by the fall, if we don't have some kind of a huge spike this summer. I could see them saying in September they opening the stadiums up to 25% capacity. I could see that happening. There was just a great picture. I don't know if you saw it. It was in the Boston Globe here, and I think they put it up on the AP uh, as well at one point. There was a picture from a Georgia football game from 1918, and they were sitting in the stands. That was when the Spanish flu was going around, and millions died across the world. Uh, people were sitting in the stands with masks on at a Georgia football game in 1918. So, you know, I think it can be done. I think everybody is, I, I don't want to say they're being too cautious, but I think that everybody is moving at a glacial pace. But I could see September uh, having an opportunity and, and them saying, you know, we'll open it up to, to limited amounts. We'll so see. What, so if, if the Yankees go play in the world series and it's 25 percent capacity what will the ticket prices look like <laughs> <laughs> you know that's that's a very interesting point would they try boy would they try to jack them up even higher just to get i don't know yes but now you know again again they may it would be a bad move that would bad, be a bad, bad look you know, and again, you know, baseball's done enough to shoot itself in the foot here lately. I think they want to be very careful about that. But that's a good point, Eric. I hope, I hope, man, I hope they don't do something like that. That'd be dumb. Well, even, I mean, gosh, even if they keep the prices decent, what would the scalpers get? I mean, it would be that, oh, that would be pretty yeah. nuts. Well, you know, the thing is, is that they could they could make it so that you know, I mean, they could make it difficult for scalpers to get to tickets. Yeah, they could make it difficult, and and I would hope 
that they would do that. But yep, you know, for sure. Who knows? Who knows? Who but I, knows? but I think September. I, I'm optimistic that September we'll see we'll see butts in the seats. Good. 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 So are they planning to shorten the playoffs if they have the season? I haven't seen how they're, they're actually going to, to expand the playoffs to 14 really? teams. To 14 teams. Oh. Oh, wow. And that was uh, the Major League Baseball suggested that. And then in that story that Jeff Passan had, and it was actually on the AP wire as well, the players went up to 114 games, but they kept the playoffs at 14 teams instead of 10. Mm. Wow. All right. So, so, so I guess so the answer is (laughs) 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 probably not. The question is going to be if they do do it from 10 to 14 teams, are we then going to be looking at the playoffs? In November or or December. Well, there was talk that they might consider moving the World Series to a neutral site, a warm weather site. Mm. That was one of the things that was first proposed. I don't know whether that's still being talked about or not, but if you're going to expand the playoffs, it's going to take longer. So, you know, unless they're planning on playing a whole boatload of uh, doubleheaders, uh, we could be looking at baseball in November or December and not for nothing. I wouldn't be sad about that. Do you think yeah, it yeah. ever think be we, like the Super Bowl where they'll take the baseball and move it to a neutral site every year? I mean, God, I hope not. World Series. No, no, I no, hope no. I hope that would be awful. You know, because it's so different. It's not one game. You know, it's it's right. a best of seven. I, that would be a disaster. And I can see doing it for this year because this is extraordinary circumstances. Right. You know, if they had to. But if that ever, uh, that would be just dumb. You know, <laughs> yeah, I mean. Would- it just would be just dumb. All right. Well, guys, it's been a great podcast this time out. And, and by uh, the way, by the way, Eric, okay. yes. Hell, hell of a job hosting. Oh, thanks. Thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah, we're not uh, the easiest guys uh, to get along with, so we appreciate your patience. That's true. That's true. I, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's, I, I've really kind of, you know, leaned on my, on my calm nature um, to uh, to get me through this last that and hour. a tall but, uh, one next to you, a cool tall one uh, next to you. I do actually. I'm drinking a surprisingly a Brooklyn uh, brewery beer, but uh, uh, but yes, actually non-alcoholic. The special effects. Oh. I'm, I'm I'm watching my my girlish figure. All right. So <laughs> before this gets any more ridiculous, uh, thanks for listening to the Boys of Summer. We will be back before too long we don't have a schedule next stop but we will uh, definitely be back um and maybe we'll have a starting date by uh time and uh until then uh give us a review or shout out on your favorite platform and until next time for paul arnold and gene gums i'm eric braun see you next time <laughs>